Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP-Halloween and check out the spooktacular four-pack of wines with free shipping. These will be amazing for your Halloween soiree or just for hanging out while you welcome some trick-or-treaters. If you love Halloween as much as I do, you've got to get on it today. Now let's get to the show. Last week's podcast was so awesome. It was great to actually record live with Marina Marcarino. If you have not listened to that show, please go back and do it. How did you record it live? We were in Piedmont. Uh, When you say we. Me and the patrons. Yeah, not me. So fun. Mm. I just love that every time I go there, I learn more. It's really nice to be able to get to know a place. And they're just wonderful people. Yeah, but it's that kind of like interest and curiosity that makes the people want to tell you more about their business, their wines. I do need to put out an APB. If anybody works for a distributor and is looking for some great Italian wines, I have a bunch who are looking for distribution in the U.S. So contact me. We are also willing to help sample ahead of time if necessary. Some great Barolo, some amazing Dolcetto, Mm -hmm. Nizza, which is the... Barbara crew. Anyway, just so fun to be with the patrons. Another really fun group. They kick butt. I mean, the whole community is amazing. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash wine for normal people if you're interested in joining. Speaking of patrons, let's do some shout outs for our lovely patrons. And then we will get to the fall wines because did the weather just totally turn on a dime yeah, it today? Yeah, went from 100 to 60 like overnight. Oh, it's so fantastic. It's great. Yes, it's actually fall. I love it. I did post a picture of our Halloween decorations on Instagram. What? Is, I'm, I'm not happy about this year. I haven't had the time to... You have been super lame, but I think I've picked I up no, some no, of you, the slack. You, no, more than some of the slack. Tremendous amount. I'm saying I'm disappointed in myself. Well, we have some things. I mean, that barfing skeleton down the street. Like, how are we ever going to rig that uh, up, man? I don't know, but we have to, like, quit our jobs to figure this out. I don't think that would take more than a couple hours to figure it out. I told you, I think that they're using a fountain motor. I think it's a great idea. We could try it. I think we can do that. Anyway, sorry. Shout outs. April G, Pat, Brian W, Haley B, Abby. Abby, thank you so much for taking classes already and being so involved already. Carrie R, Kathy V, Kareth, Lisa M, Dana R, Jen, Susan S, Jennifer R, Eric W, Helene Phil R, Grace B, Harlanette, Adam B, Nina, JK, Crystal O. Thank you all so much for joining. And we look forward to a great year with you because these are our annual patrons. And see you on the next trip. Yeah. And there's also some live events coming up, one on each coast of the U.S., Ooh, nice. which is really cool. But anyway, you have to be a patron to join those events. Just one of the and benefits. In case you're interested, two things. I did mention Halloween. Why did I take a picture of our 
our house, go on Instagram because you'll see Wine Access and I have that Halloween pack of the devilishly good. There's a Tasmanian wine in there. There are some really fantastic wines. It's such a great deal. And one of the best pianos that's made in the United States is in that pack also. So $150 includes free shipping for four wines and they're Halloween themed. So if you're having a Halloween party, these are the wines you definitely want to have for your VIP guests. Will they ship in time? They will if you order them now. Oh, They are so spectacular. All right. So let us talk about wines for fall. Because the weather's changed and because I feel inspired and we need some wine because even though I did buy some a couple of bottles of wine when we were in Italy, they'll be they'll be getting here soon. I felt sort of inspired by the idea of the decaying leaf and the the smell in the air, the crisp smell in the air. And it feels like it's time to change our wine selection because it has been very, very hot this summer. True. So we've been drinking a lot of rosé and a lot of white. I think it's time to change over. Now, it's not to say that this list is not going to include whites, but the whites I'm going to suggest are maybe a little bit rounder and fuller. And maybe we'll actually start out with a white to prove that. We'll start out with California because we did just mention the wine access pack. Right. Old Vine Chenin Blanc from California. California. So this is the cool thing. We have one in that pack. I had completely forgotten about this, but there's a couple of places that are sourcing Old Vine Chenin Blanc from various places in the Central Coast also from Lodi and from places where those vines didn't get pulled up. Mm-hmm. And they are delicious. But they're also a little fuller and richer, still with good acidity. They've got body to them. Because of the oak or? Because they're old. So oh, they're they're okay. concentrated and fuller. They're these very gnarly old vines, which again is why we put them in the Halloween pack. But Old Vine Shannon is really interesting. You don't find it a whole lot in the Loire Valley, but you can get it out of California. Hmm. I highly recommend Leo Steen's versions. All of Leo's Shannons are amazing. Uh, I think Randall Graham also makes some Old Vine Shannon from Contra Costa County. And along with that, we'll use another white from California, which is California Chardonnay from Santa Barbara, which is one of your favorites. But you see why I'm saying that. It tastes sort of like chamomile tea. Mm, There is a light oak treatment on it. But not very much. Not very much. It's not prominent. And it has this lovely salinity about it, but it has this herbal quality to it. And it's a little warming. It's not necessarily a crisp Chardonnay, although the acidity is quite good. If you serve it at the right temperature. Right. Right. You could serve it a little bit warmer. Interestingly, those are the whites that I'm recommending from California. I'm not going to recommend any reds from California this time, just huh. whites. Okay. Because we're trying to do something a little I different. Like you mixing it up. Yeah. Let's move over to Australia while we're talking about fuller bodied whites, because another one would be Hunter Valley Semillon. Hmm. Hunter Valley Semillon is a really interesting one. Now, you don't want to drink this young, because if you drink it when it's young, and I mean, you know, before it's uh, four or five years, okay, yeah, before five. it's four or five years old. What you're going to wind up with is a wine that's very crisp and very acidic. But Hunter Valley Semillon does something very odd, which is that without oak, 
after about five, seven years, this wine starts to turn into something that seems like it has been an oak. It's creamy and rich and full. Is that because of the grape or winemaking? No or... one really knows really? why Hunter Valley Semillon does this. Yeah. I'm sure that Australians have studied it, and I probably have missed the studies because they are so good with the research. But it is a, a bit of a mystery as to why this grape without any oak treatment after a while tastes waxy and That's full so weird. Huh. and it really turns into something very warm tasting which is really nice again for fall mm-hmm. a good transitional wine and something that's a little richer and and it's almost like viognier which you could get an australian viognier as well mm-hmm. but it doesn't have those sweeter peachy characteristics which right. makes it really interesting While we're there, I would say if you have never had a Cabernet Sauvignon from Margaret River, although they can be very full, one of the things that I really like about these wines out of Australia is that they have a balance and a lot of them are not super heavy. Actually, I am teaching the Wines of Australia class this week, and I think that Margaret River is one of these places where there's this incredible balance. Australia can make these bold, full, rich Shirazes mm-hmm. and Cabernet Sauvignons out of places like Kunawara and other places in South Australia, and then have these very delicately nuanced wines out of Margaret River, which is all the way in Western Australia. It's not flimsy, is it? It's got a lot of dimension to it, okay. but certainly full-bodied, but not all the way, not okay. like really over the top either. Those are my picks from Australia, Hunter Valley Semillon and Cabernet Sauvignon from Margaret River. Let's go down to New Zealand. Okay. How can you not recommend New Zealand Pinot for fall? Because mm, it's choice. got that richness. It, and it's fruity, but it's not too light. Right. So I also like the idea of Merlot or a Bordeaux blend from Hawke's Bay which is on the North Island. Mm-hmm. There can be a little bit harder to find, but you know, Merlot-based wines are really fantastic. I don't think there's enough Merlot out there. I feel like... You've been saying that for a little while now. Well, the choices are really slim. I, I mean, agree go, with that, actually, because now that I think about it. California really doesn't have anything great unless right. it's really expensive. Bordeaux has a wealth of choices. Well, no, well, I mean, while you were away in Italy... I was having to do wine shopping by myself and oh. thinking about it. I know, but still not blind. See, it's good. Yeah, good for but, you. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. In thinking about what I saw in the wall of wine, there was almost no Merlot, actually. That's really interesting. You can get some from Bordeaux. Occasionally, there's a little bit from Northern Italy. It doesn't have sometimes the dimension that you might want out of Merlot. And nobody's really making it because none of us are really buying it. But Bordeaux is really the only option. And Hawke's Bay is the exception if you can find it because those are Merlot leads usually. Sometimes they're Cabernet leads, but a lot of times they are Merlot leads. The only problem is they can be quite pricey. But the thing about New Zealand is it has this maritime climate. So from the reds, they're usually pretty moderate in body. That's what I like about the Pinot also. It's not too light, but it's also not too too heavy. So something from Marlborough or Central Otago is going to be a really nice Pinot, 
that almost, I'm going to say, pushes the barrier between really? lighter Pinot and Merlot. Oh, interesting. It still has those Pinot notes to right. it. It's still going to have some of the earth and the decayed leaf, yeah, and it's going to have berry, berry notes, good acidity still. And Merlot, again, the, what we're lacking in the world of Merlot, besides Bordeaux, which I should just recommend right now, Bordeaux has on the right bank, that's Saint-Emilion and Fronsac, and Fronsac, and then the Côte de Bordeaux. You have these wonderful wines that have a medium body versus the left bank, which is the Medoc, because you have less Cabernet Sauvignon, sometimes 10%, sometimes not even that much. So you have these nice, moderate-bodied wines that echo the fall season also, And go really nicely with a lot of the fall foods. So Mm -hmm. as you're thinking about having turkey or you're having herb-based soups or maybe you are having a roast, Merlot is the perfect wine for almost all of that. Vegetarian dishes with eggplant or with mushrooms. These are things that maybe in the summertime you'd have less of. You might have fresher food. Mm -hmm. Now that we're moving into fall, Merlot Merlot is really, really great. Now, if you get into beef and heavier dishes, then you'll move into Cabernet Sauvignon. But for fall, we talk about a lot of squash dishes. And -hmm. and so a moderate-bodied red is really fantastic. How does the Hawks Bay Bordeaux style compare to the right bank in Bordeaux? It's going to be fruitier. Okay. So one thing about Bordeaux, even with climate change, even with it being slightly warmer, the right bank is cool. It's it's clay-based soil for the most part, and you do have some limestone. And it's at 45 degrees north latitude. Even with climate change, you're still going to have these cool soils that produce wines that are medium-bodied, and they are not as fruity. The grapes don't get that kind of ripeness that you get in Hawke's Bay, which is around, I think it's around 40 degrees latitude. Okay. Southern hemisphere, but you can flip the globe in half and right. the climate is about the same at, at each latitude. Here, you have a little bit more sun. You've got gravel, maybe a bit more ripeness. Although they both have maritime climates, the soil types can be quite different and you're going to get more fruit out of the wines in Hawke's Bay and more earthiness out of the wines from the right bank of Bordeaux. Got it. Okay. Let's move to Spain where there's some really great options for fall. And the number one option is My True Love, which we've done a podcast on and I always recommend is Mencia. Mm-hmm. Mencia with the spiciness, the moderate body, peppery notes, reminiscent of fall. You have lots of interesting flavors, but it's not heavy. Something that's going to satisfy the urge for something a bit warmer feeling. Got it. And the alcohols can be moderate to high, so that can so be good. 14? You know? Yeah, 13 and a half, 14%. Okay. When you get it from Bierzo or Ribera Sacra, you're going to have wines that have a lot of dimension to them. Don't buy the cheap ones. Those generally are not so great. But if you can spend a little bit more mm-hmm. and look for, you know, Palacios or Raul Perez, you'll wind up with a really nice Mencia. Anything else from Spain? Yes, of course. Of course, Garnacha. Oh, nice. We love that from Navarra, mm-hmm. from Campo de Borja, from Calatayud. These wines 
are higher in alcohol. They have a lot of fruit. But what I like about like the 100% garnachas from Spain is that sometimes when you blend in Syrah and Mouvedra in those GSM blends, right. you can get a lot of dimension and they're delicious. I love the wines of the Rhone, but they can also feel a little bit heavy. And if you get it from Priorat, the alcohol levels are really high. These are old vines and they're very intense. But in the area that we're talking about, Navarra, Calatayud, and Cabo de Borja, what you have are pure Garnacha wines mm-hmm. that have higher alcohols, but I think because the fruit is a lot of red fruit, like Chateau Neuf de Pop can be a little bit heavy mm-hmm. and Priorat can be a little heavy. And, and I know those wines are considered very serious. And I think those are much more wintertime wines, to be honest. These are more fall wines because the red fruit comes through versus this really heavy, fruit. Yeah, dark yeah. fruit mm-hmm. where you might want that in really cold weather, but just for... A nice sipper outside when leaves are changing and you're sitting out on the porch right. or you're sitting somewhere. Right. I think Garnacha is a lovely drink mm-hmm. and it's not very expensive. I actually picked some out this week, as a matter of fact. When I was gone? Yes, because of the weather. Don't you feel like it's kind of Garnacha weather? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, mean, I do. It's and I, and I feel it's... like it's a safe choice, too. It is always a safe choice. It's not very expensive and it's usually very, very good. It's safer than Mencia because Mencia can be very flat if you don't get a good producer, frankly. Mm-hmm. When I describe a good Mencia, you have to get a good producer. Otherwise, it just falls flat. And it's really boring. And then you're going to ask me why the heck I would recommend it ever. Spain, the other thing that I would recommend is I feel like there's a Rioja for no every, Rioja? No, okay. I feel like yes, there's a Rioja for every season. Yes. So I would recommend Rioja, but you have to get something that's lighter. Actually, the aged Riojas are sometimes lighter in style. So really? Brown Reserva. Yeah, because the older a wine is, the less intense yeah, the fruit I guess is. That's right. Yeah. So a Grand Reserva a Rioja just depends on the producer, but mm-hmm. these older styles are going to... How old are you talking about? No, I'm talking like about 10, the... 10, 15? Well, Grand Reserva is required to be aged before it reaches you for, oh, right. I think, five years, six okay. years. Because of that, they're already aged and they're already going to be slightly lighter. Now, what you don't want is a modernist producer. You want somebody like Bodegas Riojanas or what do you Cune. Mean, or, producer? Well, there's modernist and traditionalist. So those more traditional producers are going to have lighter styles and those are great for fall. The other thing I would recommend, which I kind of do it with trepidation because they're not all good, are white Riojas, which Ooh. can be quite delicious. Mm-hmm. It is Vayura or the Macabeo grape with a couple of other grapes. And it's really delicious. But the problem with white Rioja is that it can taste a little musty to me, at least sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think it is oak treatment. White Rioja has developed with time. So you mean like it's gotten more complex? No, or? no, no. I mean, like more people are making it. And there are also some other varieties that they use besides just Vayura. So there's Tempranillo Blanco. There's Verdejo, they can use Sauvignon Blanc, Garnacha Blanca, Chardonnay, hmm. and there's a bunch of other whites. It's a but lot more varied than I would have guessed. There's a lot of diversity, so that means that you can get some interesting whites. I would ask your wine shop for a recommendation. Otherwise, you might get something kind of boring. 
or you might get something too woody or There's you no might get shame in asking. No, I would ask. The whites can be really exciting these days, mm-hmm. but you got to find somebody who is concentrating on white Rioja and not everybody is. Palacios and Valdemar, Cune, Fincaende, they all have white Rioja and some of them are really quite good. There you go. We'll step away from the podcast and I will remind you that Wine Access is not only our exclusive sponsor, but they are so fun. We have put together this Halloween four pack, which you have got to check out at wineaccess.com slash WFMP Halloween. It's a set of four wines that will be amazing for Halloween and beyond, but they are all Halloween inspired bottles we have picked out in honor of my absolute favorite holiday. Wine Access has a sense of humor, but one thing they take very seriously is the wine selection. They taste tens of thousands of wines every year, sort through them, and only pick out the best. Their team of qualified and experienced experts know great wines when they find them. They find the best prices for you, and they look for things that other people don't have. That's the key to Wine Access, getting you access to wines you can't get locally. Wine Access has a buy and hold feature. If you spend $150 or more on bottles, they will give you free shipping, but you have up to a month to accumulate those bottles. So if you have a couple that you like, you have a month to see what else is available and get to that $150 free shipping threshold. The shipping prices can definitely add up. So this is a huge bonus. Their customer service team is amazing. If you receive a wine that's either bad or you don't like, they'll give you a credit so that you can get another bottle that you do like. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP. Check out the page of my picks. Don't forget the Halloween pack, wineaccess.com slash WFMP Halloween. Check it out today and get 10% off your first order if you've never ordered before. And don't forget, wineformnormalpeople.com slash classes, bunch of new classes coming up. Wines of Burgundy has not been offered in a long time. So if you're interested and you've listened to the podcast on the Cote de Nuit and Cote de Bone, you will have enough information to be able to take that class and really dive in and get all your questions answered. Burgundy is such an important part of the wine world. Sign up for the class, $30 per person. You buy the wines locally, and it is great fun with you and a group of your peers. Wineformnormalpeople.com slash classes. And a reminder again, join Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash wine for normal people. Thanks for your support. And now let's get back to the show. Let's move to Portugal. Portugal. Oh, great. If you can find it, I would recommend. An I, no, I know where it is. It's right on the the, the west coast <laughs> of the Iberian Peninsula. It's Have easy. you ever been there? Yes. I actually recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's great. You'll yeah. love it. Oh, good. Maybe someday I'll go there. You should So try. we're joking because we spent three weeks there this summer. I would say that Dow wines, mm-hmm. all of these wines are moderate in body. Wines from the Dow are awesome. Tariga Nacional, there is also Jean, which is Mencia. Uh-huh. I'm actually recommending Mencia again. Okay, you're right. But I've heard of it. from the Dow, when I teach the wines of Portugal class, oftentimes Dow is the favorite. Really? Yeah. They have this moderate body. They're pretty, they're elegant. I'm but saying it's enough, kind of Goldilocks. Like. Yeah. Douro would be the heavier version mm-hmm. of this. Again, mm-hmm. that's more your winter wine. But Dow is highly underestimated also. Right. A red Dow. And then on the white side, there's two I would recommend from Portugal. Stubel 
Satsuma yeah, whites. Right. You know, those yes. whites are really kind of coating. If you chill them down, then they're good for hot weather. Right. But if you don't do that, they can be really nice for cool weather because they're soft and round mm-hmm. and they're cheek coating. There's a lot of Fernal Pressure, Maria Gomez, which is the main grape in a lot of those blends. Arinto, there's a bunch of different God, grapes. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Yeah, they're such great. Great fall whites. Mm-hmm. I would also say a vaso from Vino Verde. Oh, yeah. Some places make a varietal aveso and mm-hmm. it is creamy and delicious. There are a few producers, and there's some some of the better wine shops should have an aveso. And if you can get your hands on it, do it. It may very well be my favorite grape out of Vino Verde, really? even though everybody loves Alvarino. Right, right. I really do love a vaso. Ooh, that's yeah. good. And it's perfect for fall. Again, this kind of mouth coating, cheek right. coating white, mm-hmm. which is really, really nice. Funny that I'm recommending two whites from Portugal when yeah, it's really right. known for reds. Now, when we think about the reds of Portugal, we're thinking about Alentejo, which mm-hmm. has really heavy reds mm-hmm. most of the time. Douro, which is more moderate in body, not heavy, right. but still just a little bit too much for what I'm looking for for this transition of the season. And also, I love that Dow sometimes has that decaying leaf earthy note to it, which is really, really lovely. We'll move to Germany, and I am not going to recommend Riesling. What? I'm not recommending it. What's wrong with you? What happened? I don't know. I feel like I always recommend it. Right. Okay, fine. I'll recommend Riesling. Okay, good. Thank you. Jeez. Early fall? Is that what we're talking about here? Or... Any time of the year is perfect for German Riesling. That's all I'm going to say. But actually, what I was going for is the Pinot from Germany. Spätburgunder. Yes, that's right. From Baden. We had that last year. Oh, my gosh. I have recommended it for the Pinot class and for the wines of Germany class a few times. It has gotten so much better with climate change. The Pinot out of Germany is actually really interesting. There's three Pinots that I consider to be alternatives to Burgundy. Mm Mm-hmm. Falzer Baden from Germany, Alsace Pinot, which mm-hmm. is the other one I would recommend, or Pinot from Sancerre, which most people associate Sancerre with Sauvignon Blanc. So those three are all similar in the sense that they're very earthy, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit fruitier, sometimes a bit simpler than Burgundy, but sometimes much more complex than the basic Burgundy. And German clones have been used in the wines of California. Really? Yes, all over the place. Hmm. So Pinot has been grown in Germany for a really long time because if you think about the history, the old history of Germany, the monks were there in the Middle Ages. They took clippings from Burgundy and brought some of the grapes over. There was a lot of exchange back oh, and forth. True, true. So that's why they called Spätburgunder. Burgundy, Burgunder. Oh, yeah. I didn't and, realize that. Yeah, Weissburgunder is white Burgundy, Pinot Blanc, yep, yep. and Pinot Gris is Grau Burgunder. Hmm. So all of those Burgunder names all come from Burgundy. And that's from the Middle Ages wow, when the monks were cultivating. And it is interesting to mention also that during that period, they did classify vineyards in Germany as well, especially we know in the Rheingau. That stuff was all classified very, very early on. Hmm. And then those maps were kind of lost. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Not anything to do with modern history, but right. in the Middle Ages. Germany's done different things with Pinot. And for a while, it was sweet because they couldn't ripen it. But now, again, with climate change, you're getting 
Pinot styles, which are lovely, hmm. and they are really earthy. They are like mushrooms, and they can be simple sometimes, but sometimes they can have a little bit of depth to them. So look for something from Faltz or Baden. Rheingau has a little bit of it. I don't prefer those styles. I still think it's a little cold in Rheingau. Okay. okay. And I think that those are great styles. And while you're at it, you can look at Alsace Pinot Noir, and those plantings are increasing because the climate is warming. And then, as I said, the Pinot Noir from Sancerre is also quite good and little known. So sometimes you'll see it on the shelf and you might not know what it is, but if you see that it's a red Sancerre, that's Pinot. And it's really quite good. And it does have a lot of dimension. And again, less than a burgundy that is probably not quite as good. You're, you're making me want to do a, a grand scale Pinot tasting. Funny that I'll be There's... teaching the, the Pinot Noir around the world class. Really? In January. Huh. Yes. Stay is it too early to that. sign up? It is because it's not up on the website. But there is a Wines of Burgundy class. Ooh, that nice. is. I haven't offered that in so long. Is it too late to sign up? For the Wines of Burgundy? Yeah. No, that is in November. Oh, nice. And it Perfect is a spectacular lead class. Into... It says a focus class, so I think people can be a little bit intimidated by that. Yeah. But if you listen to the podcast on the Code to Nuit or Code to Bone, it is a great class. It's, and it's such an important part of the world because if you really want to understand what we're talking about with Germany, you have to understand Burgundy. Right. So, I yeah. feel like that's one of those fundamental concepts or classes that you really have to get. I, I do think it's an essential class anyway that is, is it easy to find the wines though yes it's relatively easy to oh, find good. the wines okay. yeah 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 absolutely we're talking about like chablis and macon oh, and right. you know okay. then stuff from coach chalonnaise and these are wines i mean you can even get them in total wine oh they're great not, yeah okay. they're not awesome. not really difficult to find anyway that's what i'd say from germany i'm gonna recommend riesling only because i it's not on my list but Riesling is always on my you list. You have to, of course. Yeah, of course. There's never not a time for I understand. Riesling, I'm I just understand. saying. All right, let's move to France because we keep pussyfooting around it. We might as well get right to it. Okay. The first thing, I can't help myself, Tavel. <laughs> Tavel, Rosé. It's, it's I mean, not. I mean, it just goes with every season. Yes, I don't know what to really say. Great. It's going to go with everything. Talk about a pairing for butternut squash soup. Tavel Ooh, is yeah. awesome Which for that. Which you made recently. But it, it didn't come done. out that well, you didn't, sadly. I thought it was really good. You didn't eat it. I, I wound did, up throwing it out. What? Especially when you added the pepitas. They were delicious. I wasn't in love with that. All but I, right. I do like it when I get it from somewhere else, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I think they put a lot of sugar in yeah, butternut one, squash oh, soup. I wonder if they do. Yeah, oh, no, I'm sure they do. And there huh. wasn't any sugar in mine. But Tavel will go really well with that. And it will go deliciously well with any number of non-super heavy. I mean, I think some people would say that it would hold up to beef, but I think it holds up to pork, mm -hmm. any sort of root vegetables, which is really what fall is about. Right. You'll just want to serve it at a slightly warmer temperature for fall. Okay. When we're talking about slightly warmer, I mean like maybe 55 degrees Ooh. versus 50s. I also think from the Rhone, Cote de Rhone Blanc, is a great, rounder, richer wine from the Rhone that goes really well with everything. And if you have the cash, of course, Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc right. is, is always recommended if you can afford it. But Chateau Neuf de Pop Rouge, I would not recommend for Why? fall. It's just a little heavy normally okay. because as we were talking about Grenache before, yeah. it depends on the style. But generally speaking, we're looking for things that are a little lighter. You could go for a Cote de Rhone or at some of the crew from the Cote de Rhone, mm -hmm. like a Caron. But when I'm thinking about these recommendations, I think 
Cote de Blanc goes really well with fall foods. It's pretty versatile. But I guess Cote de Rouge is also pretty versatile. Yep. Gamay. Yes. Beaujolais Cru. Mm. Now, I know it's tempting to say, okay, Beaujolais Nouveau, right. because we're heading into that system. But a Beaujolais Cru, a high quality or Beaujolais Village, there's really no bad season for Gamay. Again, a wine that you can chill in the summertime and warm up in the wintertime. And these wines are very versatile in that way. But Gamay has all of these lovely floral aromatics. It can have great acidities. It's both fresh and it can stick to your ribs, especially those from the crew of Morgon or from Moulin Avant, mm-hmm. where it's a little bit heavier. Those would be really great bets. Also, having just been in Champagne. Name drop a little, please. It was really fascinating. Was it? It was a last minute trip. I did I not get to make all of the appointments no. that I would have liked to, but I did go It was to, worth going yeah, for the it, short period that you were there. Well, just sure. driving around really was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And what I will say is that there's a huge difference between regular champagne and the stuff that's been aged on the lees yeah. for a very long time. Did you try any? Yes. Those wines that have been aged on the lees for a really long time uh-huh. are great wines for fall. Okay. Because whereas the younger wines, the regular wines, are much brighter and fresher. Brighter, sparkling versus... Yes, they're the things that we think of when we think of champagne. Right. When we think about things that have been aged on lees for Mm -hmm. very long periods of time, you do get richer flavors. Mm -hmm. You get breadier flavors and nutty flavors and things that taste more like a croissant. Fall flavors, yes. Right. And these are things that... Like warm baked bread is something Mm -hmm. that you want in the fall. So I think that those styles of champagne that have been left on the lees for a very long time, Mm -hmm. some of the higher end champagnes or champagnes where they do tout that they leave them on the lees for a long time, it Mm -hmm. varies by producer. Those are going to be the wines that are more interesting. Anything beyond about 30 months of lees aging, you'll start to get some of that really bready, yeasty note. Or wines that are vintage and are a little bit older. Of course, that's going to take a little bit of cash. Yeah. But if you're having a special occasion and you want to have those wines, those are great wines for fall because they've got all the characteristics that you expect. That's a great suggestion, absolutely. In the fall. And, you know, I wouldn't have thought about it last year, but after having been been there and tasted some of these wines, there is a big big and significant Mm -hmm. difference Mm -hmm. between wines that are everyday champagnes and wines that are a bit richer. Right. So, and I've already mentioned Bright Bank Bordeaux, but some of the simpler styles, Merlot-based Bordeaux is fantastic. If you can afford it, Burgundy is always appropriate for fall because all of those earthy characteristics Mm -hmm. are in both red and white Burgundy. Not the simplistic versions, but things with a little bit more dimension. In Pinot, you want things that have earthiness. You want things that have a little bit more gravitas. So things yep. from mostly from the Cote de Nuit are going to be better. Those Some from Mercury and the Cote Chalonnaise or from Bone can also be quite good. But make sure that you get a style that is not too light. Some of the basic Bourgognas just... Oh, man, they're mm-hmm. not very good. And Chardonnay, same thing, especially with a little bit of age. The Chardonnay's from Burgundy. The oak has integrated. You still More have some earthy flavors. You can, get, you can get some mushroom flavors Ooh, out nice. of, you know, Chassagne, Montrachet, and things hmm. like that. A little pricey, but delicious for fall. We will move to Italy, last and of course not you least. You would like to move to Italy. <laughs> 
I do love it there. Well, I mean, you're basically a part-time citizen. I really do like going there a lot. It's really quite well, fantastic. I mean, you got the look, you got the language. You, you're, I don't you're have like, language. I don't have the language. Oh, gosh, it's, it's so bad. You do really well. I do okay. I make I make it. I can understand, which is actually really a curse because I can understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. but then I can't speak back. That's really <laughs> bad. I know they're talking about me. I just can't say like what I'd like English. to say back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is like you in English. Exactly. I'd be remiss in not mentioning Barbaresco Mm -hmm. and Rorero, which are medium styles of Nebbiolo. Okay. They're ready earlier than a Barolo. Barolo takes a lot longer to Mm. mature Mm -hmm. and hit the time when the tannins are going to be suitable for drinking. A beautiful Barbaresco or Rorero, it will just say Rorero on it, and that is Nebbiolo. Okay. These wines, gosh, that tar and roses Mm -hmm. is the classic example, but they also have these beautiful floral aromatics, that rose and potpourri note, some cinnamon sometimes from the barrels. You can get some exotic spice with thyme, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of Indian spice. It almost smells like sandalwood sometimes. And the tannin structure is there. These are similar to the body of a burgundy. That's what Nebbiolo gives you, except with more tannins. So then the food pairing possibilities are a little bit more. Again, this is where you get into the roasts and mushrooms, root vegetables. You can go Hmm. with a Barbarasco or a Rero. I will always mention Dolcetto if we're talking about Piedmont. We had a Dolcetto the other night, and it was really spectacular. Yes, and it just, excellent. it's a head scratcher as to why that is not a more popular wine because it does have a medium body and mm-hmm. has some really nice fruit to it, but it's got good tannin structure, not too much acidity, perfect fall wine. I was going to say, I like it because you can drink it by itself and it pairs well with food. It does pair really, really well with food. If we look at the south of Italy from Campania of Pidiroso. Mm hmm. That is light to medium-bodied red, which is quite delicious, and that's made around Vesuvius. Volcanic wines are very delicious. They reflect that ashiness, but they're not heavy, and that's partially due to the kinds of soils that are there. So they're they're a little bit lighter. It makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, ash isn't that heavy by comparison to... And these are different. So in Campania, you have volcanic soil that's in the ground and mixed with clay, and then you have just sort of the black, pure volcanic soils, and those soils are a bit lighter. So you'll have lighter wines out of that. Makes sense. You're not going to leave Italy without talking about my baby, are you? You had a baby in Italy? No, 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 no. My my. wine baby. Your wine baby? Fiano. Oh, your love. Yes. Yes. That really is like your favorite wine. Oh my gosh. It is. I know it's a white wine, but Fiano is... The what do you, mean you know it's a white it's, wine? What does that mean? Like it's bad quality because no, it's white? It, no, but we're talking about fall wines here. Look, I have mentioned a lot summer. of whites. I, I know you trying, have. I was trying to but give... Th- th- but you left off the best one. I was waiting for you. That's really You just nice. called it your wine it. baby. Oh. I mean, if you guys don't believe me, this guy just called it his wine baby. 
I it's mean, delicious. And it is a little it's bit richer in body. Rich nutty. And full the nuttiness. And round, but not heavy. It's and, the nuttiness, oh, isn't it? It is the nuttiness. It's mm. every time. It's always delicious. I would agree. There's, Maybe it's because you buy it, but. <laughs> no, I've never had a bad Fiano. I'm not going to lie. I've had ones that I'm just not super psyched about, but I will give a spoiler alert if you're part of the Wine Access Wine Club wineaccess.com slash normal there is a fiano in the winter pack nice just because i can't go without it had to put it in there because you're right it is a great wine for cooler weather but it's also great for warm weather it's great for everything let's face it it's an all-star all right i'll give one more honorable mention because we are eventually going to do a podcast on it greek wine zeno mavro is another wine that if you can find one that is more medium bodied and not heavy, that would be my final recommendation in the world of fall wines. I want to just throw in one ringer at the end. Because Oddly, that was not on the tip of my tongue. I know, but you know what? Every time we have these wines from Greece, it's always impressive. It is. So I will throw that in as the final and sort of as a tease for the podcast we do eventually on Greek wine. We're going into a little bit more detail. Nice segue. Thank you. It's just a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I like to do that. Those are my wines for fall. I am about to order wine, and these will all make the cut. We'll keep you posted on what we wind up getting and how we fare, but... Maybe we'll have a patron hangout and we can share what you've selected. Oh, that sounds like fun. Maybe we'll have a few wines for fall and see how people liked the selections that we have made in this podcast. They they can bring their favorites for the podcast. Yes, you all can bring your wine babies. So you'll be bringing the Fiano, your wine baby, to it. Of course, yes. All right. I don't know which one. I don't have a favorite. I mean, maybe Dolcetto because it's like the underdog and you know how I love the underdog. Mm-hmm. I relate to Dolcetto. I know. And you know, I had no idea that it wasn't this beloved grape, but it was the first red wine that I really loved. Really? So that's why I can Yeah, because I did I a wa- Yeah, because I did a wine tasting with my undergrad university mm-hmm. in Boston. I still have the notes because I'm such a... You do? Yes. And I loved it so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great wine. It's the best ever. I don't even know what producer it was, but I loved it. And I remember always... I think it's a really nice full circle moment that now I can share my love of it with others. Well, I'm sure that it would be proud of you too. You've come a long way since then. (laughs) You are really personifying all of these wines. I feel like maybe, maybe do you need to do your own podcast or like guess, psychologically well, I mean, you, profiling no, I mean, all you, of you, the wines you, and giving personalities to No, them? I know exactly why. Because you left me for so long that all I had to talk to were all these wine bottles <laughs> around. <laughs> you have lost your have, mind. All right, friends. Well, we'll leave you with that. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.